John 4, 1 to 26. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to, Jesus, said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would, have you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and it is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now that's one of my favorite texts. I got lots of Bible texts that I love, but this is in my top text. Scriptures are pretty clear all over, but this is a text that makes most explicitly clear that Jesus loves everyone, that Jesus reaches out to everyone, that Jesus' desire is that everyone receive living water. He came into this world that everybody might get 
living water. Because the reality is everybody is thirsty. Now, there's so many things I love about the story, but one of them is that Jesus cares very little about the cultural rules and regulations that seem to be in place. Now, people of faith, we just tend to make rules where it doesn't feel like to me God's character suggests that we live that way. As a little kid, I remember you weren't supposed to go to movies. Uh, beverage alcohol was, uh, and I still remember in junior high reading, well, Jesus turned water into wine. What gives? My dad talked about as a kid in his childhood, you couldn't go to a bowling alley. People like to make these rules. Jesus is thirsty, stops at Jacob's well at noon. Now, this gal has three strikes against her according to the cultural rules that would prevent Jesus from talking to her. First, she was a Samaritan. Now, in the early 700s BC, the Assyrians went in and took control of this area and they kicked most of the Jews out. Some Jews stayed and they intermarried. Now, it diluted their genealogy and it diluted their theology. These Samaritans ended up keeping the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and throwing away the rest of Scripture. They decided, hey, the holy place is Mount Gerizim, where they were, not Jerusalem, as is revealed in the rest of the Scripture. So he stops to talk to this woman. She's like, what are you doing talking to me? Don't you know the cultural rules? I'm a Samaritan. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. You think of us as less than. The second thing against her. She's a woman. You know, Jesus raises the status of women like I believe nobody in history. And she's a woman. As you read in the text... She doesn't have the best reputation. She's been hanging out with men. Lots of men. And yet Jesus stops and talks to her and, 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 and they're starting to talk about water. He's asking for water. And then he tells her, you know, if you really understood who I am, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now what's living water? It's this water that quenches and more than satisfies the deep thirst that everybody has. You hear me talk a lot about happiness and joy. It is my deep conviction that God created every person in the world to be happy. Christianity has gotten a lousy rap. He created us to be happy. Now where's happiness found? I believe in two primary areas. Security and significance. We want to know we're safe. We want to know we're taken care of. 
We want to know that we're loved. We want to know, know that our life counts, that we matter. It's what this woman's looking for. It's what everybody's looking for. She's amazed that he would talk to her. And yet he tells her, you can have living water. She's thirsty. We're all thirsty. Now, I believe God designed the home and parents to be the place where we primarily receive this. Some of us have had parents that did this better than others. But no parent did it perfectly. Everybody's looking for living water. Everyone. Now you got to appreciate how John begins this gospel. He's now had two extended conversations with individuals. Remember who the first one was? The first extended conversation? Nicodemus. Don't miss this as John unveils this gospel. A man. A religious leader. A guy who would be perceived as having it all together. He's thirsty. Then we have the woman at the well. Second conversation. She's thirsty. Who needs living water? Nicodemus, who appeared to have it all together, and the woman, and everybody in between. Now, the reality is we too often look in the wrong places to satisfy our thirst. They're talking about living water, and Jesus makes an abrupt turn in the conversation. I think if we didn't think of it as Jesus, we might even consider it not that nice. He's omniscient. He knows everything about this woman, and that amazes her. But notice where he goes. They're talking about living water, and where does he go? Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, he knows full well she doesn't have a husband. She's thirsty. He's trying to point to the primary place she is looking that significance, that security, that love, to have it filled. That's what he's doing. He's trying to help her identify where she's been going. Never going to work. Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is actually true. 
Now, the text is trying to give us a picture of who this woman is. This is a broken, hurting woman. She's there at noon getting water. In that culture, like here, it's the hottest part of the day. She didn't want to be seen by anyone. She didn't have people she wanted to go hang out with. In our culture, it's different. Five husbands, doesn't tell us whether they died or divorced. The odds of five dying are really slim. This is a woman who's trying to survive. In that culture, the view of women, if you didn't have a man, some sort of man in your life, financially, she's just trying to get food for her table. She's just trying to put a roof over her head. And she makes choices that are not all that uncommon. She's living with guilt. She's living with shame. She's living with pain. Security and significance, not that much. Happiness, not that much. Jesus says to her, if you'd have known who I was, if you just knew, I can meet these needs for you. Shame, guilt, disappointment. I guarantee you, as a young girl, she never dreamt of the life she was living. Disappointment and heartache and hurt. Jesus is the one that solves all this. Jesus is the one that can fix this. Now you're here today, you still haven't chosen to treasure Christ. Keep thinking about it, keep pursuing. You're here today and you've chosen Christ. You, you, you've drunk of the living water. Even after we drink of the living water, and I'm going to tell you the temptation is a gazillion times greater today than back in that day because we live in the most affluent culture in the world. The opportunities that we have to look places to satisfy that deep spiritual thirst in this world, they're almost limitless. We got so many other places to look than this woman had. Even when we come to drink of Christ and we have tasted of him and we enjoy the living water, from time to time we still get thirsty. So where is it we look? I'm going to give you a long list. Nothing on this list is bad. Not one thing. They are all gifts of God to be used as gifts of his and to be enjoyed. But I'm telling you, he has been so stinking generous that some of these gifts he's given us to enjoy, we start looking to them when we get that little thirst to fill that thirst. Now, I just put a list together of the things that I struggle with. This ain't comprehensive. 
But I'm going to trust some of you wrestle with these same things. And we enjoy it as a gift of God, but then there's that place when we get antsy, when we get that hurt in our heart, where we turn. Relationships. Relationships are God's gift, but we look to relationships to provide more than they can provide, only what God can provide. And we look for people to deliver more than they can deliver, even if they're healthy. Houses. If we just have the security of a home and a beautiful home and a nice home, a nice home, the people come in and go, woo, nice home. Sports. I love sports. There are people that live out there for a professional team. They pay gazillions of dollars to go to games, and their identity is primarily tied up in sports or their kids or their own enjoyment. Nothing here is bad. Music, the same thing with music. We get lost in all of this and we're just going to tune in, put our headphones on and listen to classical music or Van Halen, whatever works for you. Work. You know how many folks I've seen destroy their families because they were looking for work to provide a significance, a security, a joy that it could not provide? Then with lots of people when they die... I have yet to have one say, I just wish I had spent more time working. (laughs) Now, work is a good thing. Clothes, beauty, physical health, these are all good things. But all we're going to do is just fix it up and make ourselves a little better. Politics. Now, I believe we should be involved. Take a brief break here. Some of the folks in our state have determined to make California a haven for abortion in those who would like to have abortions. We ought to be involved. AB 2223 is the bill right now, and there's several others. In anticipation of what the Supreme Court might do in giving more rights to the states and what some states are doing in making it harder to get an abortion, Our primary leaders have decided, let's make it easy here in California. So let's be involved. Call your local representatives, your assemblymen, be involved in letting them know how you feel. It feels like to me they're trying to keep this under the radar. But make no mistake, they are trying to make our state a haven for folks from around the country. But politics, people get more excited about politics sometimes than it does Jesus. And they think there's more answer in politics than there is in Jesus. We're involved, we're salt and light, but Jesus, fame. Talked about that one last week, we'll leave it there. Why I'm convinced God gave me no musical gifts, it would all have gone to my head. Food, phone, computer, TV. What this technology allows us to do. I can get on the computer and have a conversation with Femi, real time. How cool is this? But I watch families sit at dinner at a restaurant, everybody looking at their phone. Now, this is great. It's just a duel. We get that buzz, that little antsiness. I just kind of look at my phone to just keep me busy, keep me active, do something. And all the other images that are on there you guys know about. Our kids, we should love our kids. We want to provide them love, security, significance. But sometimes, man, we can find more of our identity than we should. Cars. You guys got the idea. Doing nothing. Some people are convinced there's great joy in doing nothing. (laughs) I'm at the other end of that spectrum. When I get antsy, 
And the solution is drinking of Jesus and being Mary rather than Martha, if you remember the story. I get it theologically, but it's just way easier to be Martha. So I bought this years ago, and it sits on my bookshelf, and I look at it several times every day. Be still and know that he is God. Drink of the living water is a solution. You know what the hardest thing for me to do when I need most to be still? Anybody want to guess? Be still. And we got so much stuff. Look at that list. You know how much there is to keep me occupied? There are so many things. They're not bad things. When I need to drink of that living water, the only thing that satisfies. So many places to go. And we can have our thirst quenched by Jesus and by him alone. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with in the wells deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us that well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. We're familiar with the text. We know the theological principles. The question is, do we really believe this? And will we really go to the fountain? But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. May not be great at home, but God loves me. At work, I'm having challenges. People aren't giving me the credit for what I deserve. God loves me. Connected to Jesus. He's with me. The water that I will give him will come a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Eternal life. John 17 being connected to God, drinking the living water, being connected to God. I'm a child of God. The past, much of which I'm ashamed of, I'm disappointed in myself. He's made it all good. I belong to him. He walks with me in this life through everything. He'll never forsake me. Never leave me. No matter what's going on, I am always, always with Jesus. He loves me. Even when I'm tempted to go do his other stuff, he still loves me. Blaise Pascal, mathematician, Physicist, philosopher, theologian. It's not a new idea, but we're still wrestling with it. Back in the 1600s, I love this guy. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that 
There once was in a man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there, the help he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. If you knew who I was, you'd have asked me for living water. And it would be my joy to give it to you, Jesus says to the woman. He says to everyone. And when we get it, we become worshipers. Drinking of the living water is to be a worshiper of God. It's to enjoy eternal life. All these things just go together. Now, they're having a conversation. Uh, he points, Jesus does, to her background, embarrassing for her. And so I think she's uncomfortable with him now pointing to a place in her life where she's a little ashamed. So she says, hey, you're a smart guy. You're a prophet. Tell me, Mount Gerizim or Jerusalem? Which place? I'm telling you, we're still confused about what worship is. And Sheree and I talked about this a few weeks ago, so I'm going to deal with this pretty quickly. But we think it's not Mount Gerizim or Jerusalem. We think it's in this building on Sunday mornings. And hopefully it's happening here. But Jesus just said it's not about Mount Gerizim. It's not about Jerusalem. It's not about the RCC building. And he gives us this beautiful, I'm a guy again, we're going to go through this quickly. I lived through the worship wars of 20, 30 years ago where can you have an electric guitar in a worship service? And we had to work through that. You know, okay, so we're going to allow a guitar, but you know what doesn't fit? Drums. We know drums can't be of God. They just can't be of God. Organs and pianos. It's what Jesus and the disciples sang with around the fire. Everybody knows. That's what they did. They had a piano and an organ. That's what worship is. <laughs> worship is just getting excited about Jesus. But the hour is coming and Jesus says is now here when true worshipers, those who actually offer worship that's pleasing to God, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. We pulled this apart a few weeks ago. Spirit. Our hearts are in it. And our heads. We got the right idea, Jesus. And it impacts us and makes us happy. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. As we drink of water, the living water, all week, here's what our experience is. Oh, Jesus, you are good. That is worship. On Sundays... Those of us who have been worshiping together individually all week, we get together because there's something special about doing it with other people. So what's appropriate and what's inappropriate? Long as the truth is there and as long as our heart's engaged, nothing else matters. That's what worship is. It's just being excited about Jesus. It's about drinking this living water and going, there is nothing in the world. I like my 70-inch screen TV. 
I watched the Timberwolves lose three games after they had leads. Now, I'm going to tell you, at this age, it doesn't bother me near as much as it used to. (laughs) Because I used to put too much value in there. Now, I enjoy it. It's a gift of God. I wish they'd have won. But I'm drinking of the living water. There's nothing better. Everybody's thirsty. And Jesus wants everybody to have that living water. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for filling us. Thanks for offering living water. Father, we want to be happy. We want to be secure in your love. We want to find our significance in being your children rather than looking for the applause of others. Uh, Thank you for having Jesus talk to this woman. I see parts of myself in her. You love her. You love me. You love all of us. Father, encourage us to drink of that living water. Let the living water cover you. Let the breath of For the water here can only satisfy for a moment. The living water is forever. Let the living water cover you. Let the breath of life be take it for granted. You just received a a bottle of water, and I want you to take it out, and I want you to look at it, because this morning we're going to look at it in a different way. There's a difference, a true difference. So when you look at it, and you say, wow, this is a bottle of water, it also represents the living water that's eternal. And hopefully, every time we take a sip of water, we'll take a moment and go, wait a second. 
Thank you, God, for this living water that we get to drink of every day. Let's take a drink. Let the living water cover you. Just then, his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I have ever did. <laughs> Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do, do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days, he departed for Galilee.
For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. Jesus is talking with this woman. They're at the well, the two of them. Talking about living water, talking about worship. And then the disciples come back. And they're wondering about themselves again because their cultural rule is if you're a holy guy, you don't talk with Samaritans, you don't talk with women. But John here is moving in the text. That first piece is about this living water is offered to everybody. Then in the second piece, what he wants us to see is once we've tasted this living water, we have to enthusiastically share it with others. There's no shortage of this water. There's an infinite amount of this water. And once we've tasted of it, it has to be shared with others. We are channels of living water to others. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar. That's why she walked out there in the heat of the day to get water and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did about her life and what was going on. Can this be the Christ? Now here's what I love. She's not yet convinced that he's the Christ, but she's wondering. But what does somebody who's even wondering have to do? Has to share that news with others. And they went out of the town, and they were coming to him. And then the disciples go in, Jesus, you must be hungry. I want you to notice again here the logic of what John's framing here, because he's building this point. And Jesus said to them, you know, you ask if I'm hungry, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. I am here to bring living water to people. Water? Food. Here's my food. There's energy. There's life in my doing what the Father sent me to do, which is bringing living water. Now notice the transition. Because we start with a woman who goes back and shares. Then Jesus says, I'm here to share. Do you not say, there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. The woman goes and shares. I am here, Jesus says, to share. Now you guys, you disciples, I called you to be those who would continue to share this living water with others. Now, this is probably way too obvious for most of you. But I am afraid we as evangelicals, we get the living water is Jesus. It is great. And then we get filled with the living water and we drink of that living water. How good is that living water? And we just run around and we just enjoy that living water. Here's what Jesus is trying to point out. And John doesn't want us to miss it. Once we enjoy it, we become a channel. I need somebody to help me. Hey, David, would you help me? Come on up here, David. And I promise not to embarrass you unless, of course, it could get a laugh. 
Come on up here. This is not going to be that complicated, but I'm going to try and illustrate what Jesus is saying. Would you hold that glass? Cup. Thank you. Mug, what else would you like to say about my illustration here, David? So far, so good. So far, so good, except for the corrections. Here we go. Here's what it is. We get filled with this living water, and then what we do is we actually share that with other people. And if a little bit of the living water goes on the ground, that's okay. <laughs> now, is this making sense? We get it in us, but here's what John and Jesus want us to see in the text. Everybody give David a big hand. <laughs> Thank you, David. And beyond that, we experience boundless happiness in being a channel of living water. And he talked, said some other stuff here already. The one who reaps is receiving wages. I think he's talking about the prophets himself. These disciples and us, we're primarily the reapers and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper, the prophets, Jesus, we rejoice together. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I was hearing about evangelism as a young man growing up, there was one emotion I never experienced, happiness and joy. I dealt mostly with guilt, something I was supposed to do. Now, I'm going to give you three reasons why I think we're not better channels. Everybody going to stay with me? It all changed for me when I met Jesus and in my early 20s finally drank of that living water. It just changed. I think sometimes we're not that excited about sharing that living water because we maybe haven't tasted that much ourselves. Because once you tasted this water, you go, oh, I got to give this away to other folks. The second reason we aren't better channels, I'm not so sure we're convinced of the first point that everybody's thirsty. Let me assure you, Anybody you know, family, friend, neighbor, somebody you work with, if they don't love Jesus, they're thirsty. Now, they may have a BMW and a Mercedes parked in the garage. They may have a pool out in the backyard. Their life may be perfect. They're thirsty. And they do what we do. They hide that thirst. Now, if they're older, they maybe just got to the point where they said, I'm just going to have to live with this thirst. This is just the human condition. But that second reason, I'm not sure we're convinced that people are thirsty. Let me tell you, they are thirsty if they don't have Jesus. They got a hole in their heart that can only be filled by them. I don't care how happy they appear. They probably fake it as well as we do. They're thirsty. And we got the living water. I said three reasons, right? The third one is escaping me right now. You're welcome to go with suggestions. I got to work through it in my head. First one is we need to drink more of the water ourselves. Second of all, because, oh, because some of the training and some of the picture we have of what it means to give living water away. I went when I was growing up to all kinds of evangelistic training, lots of good about it, but mostly it was, here's all the words you say, get somebody cornered and then dump all these ideas into their head. And then close the deal and get them to convert. 
I think we just got a bad idea how we give living water. You want me to tell you how to give away living water? Take an interest in other people. Be disciplined about taking an interest in people that don't love Christ. And here's what I want you to do. Just take a genuine interest in them. Everybody wants everybody else to be interested in us. So we get significance and security. People are lonely. They got a hole. Most people, they're just looking for somebody to take an interest in them. Take them to coffee. Invite them to dinner. Get to know them. Here's what I promise. As your relationship grows, you will have opportunity to see their thirst manifest, and they will have opportunity to see how the living water and its satisfaction in our house, in our hearts works. I promise you. Relax. Take off the Holy Spirit badge. Drink of the living water first, and then just get to know these people. Take an interest in them. They're right now dying of thirst. May not acknowledge it, but they know it. And we have the privilege of helping others enjoy living water. I love this. Don't miss this about the text. Here's a woman. Jesus points to her dryness. And it amazes her. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of that woman's testimony. I think she's still in the process of coming to faith. That's what John wants us to see. But she is talking about him. <sighs> what a delight. How good is this? So here's what I'm going to suggest. Make sure we are all spiritually hydrated. Whatever you're doing, I'd encourage you to take a little more living water. I love John 4 in the story of the woman at the well. All of scripture is about God's love, but this is one of the most beautiful pictures of Christ's love, of his care, how he includes everybody. Read John 4. Keep drinking of Jesus for me as you pray for me that I will have the discipline to be still and just drink of Jesus. Then, hang with others. I've told you over and over and over again, one of the greatest things that fills me up is hanging with others who are being filled with Jesus. You hang with others that find their satisfaction in Christ, it encourages our hearts. It is the part of the church. This is God's infinite design. There is something spiritual, supernatural goes on when we hang with other folks. Join a life group. Be a part of other folks who are trying to drink. Then pray for two friends right now that are spiritually thirsty. I'm going to ask you to think of two people in your head that you know that right now are thirsty. You got it? Two people you know. You're going to commit every day to praying for them. And lastly, invest in somebody you know who's spiritually thirsty. You're not limited to one or to two, but somebody this week. Somebody you know that doesn't love Christ. Here's what I want you to do. Hey, can I take you to lunch? We have coffee. Hey, what's going on in your life? 
One of my favorite questions is, hey, so where are you finding the most joy right now? Where are you finding the greatest challenge in your life? For me, this takes time in a relationship. But it's us offering them a sip of water. Somebody taking interest in them is a sip of water. We've got an event coming up on June 5th. It's intended to be an occasion for us to invite friends who are thirsty to be, get a small taste of Jesus. We're going to have one service. Welcome, Stephen, Hannah, welcome. Hi, guys. Looking forward to seeing you. And then have a picnic out there. It's intended to be a place where folks who are thirsty get a little taste of water from our community. I'm going to encourage you all, invite an individual, invite a family, one. Just invite them to the fifth. Come have fun, free food, games, fun. They get to hang around with us. What could be better? What could be more enticing than hanging around with us? Then on that Sunday, we are going to be looking for those folks and pulling them in, hopefully giving them a taste of water. Father, you are good. You love us and you have given us this living water. Father, we want to enjoy it more and more. And we want to be those channels that you use to help other people have their spiritual emptiness and thirst quenched. Oh, Father, our security, our significance, our joy is found in being your children. And you have given us the most consequential mission this world will ever see to point folks to your grace, your love, your forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for putting us in this process. Thank you for giving us living water. May we worship and celebrate you every day of the rest of our lives.